0: adventure we're a movie podcast where every week we sit down and have a discussion about a film yes. i'm your scary nightmare demon with one horn host aiden walker
1: i'm martin scorsese dressed up as vincent van gogh and that means that my name's blake your other host. That was so rough. I'm so. But...
0: <laughs> Dude, should we try the intro again? I think it's fine. Or are we going to float with it?
1: We're going to float with it. We're going to see how it goes. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm happy that we're here.
0: So <laughs> we're nearing the end of the podcast. I mentioned this last week. We've only got a few weeks left in the quarter. Mm-hmm. So we're doing some some fun stuff by visiting some of our favorite movies. This week, uh, we're doing one of mine. So I chose Akira
1: Kurosawa's Dreams. What made you pick Dreams of all Akira Kurosawa's movies? Or in general? Why is it one of your favorite movies? So...
0: You know, after revisiting it, I realized that it might not be one of my favorite movies, but rather a movie that made a really strong impression on me recently. Mm. And that's why I picked it. I saw it for the first time last year, and I had been much better about watching a lot of movies last year. I think by this point, April of last year, I had watched probably like sixty or seventy movies by that point in the year, and I think I'm around thirty right now. Okay. So significant. I was I was <laughs> going through a significant binge, and I had been watching quite a bit of Japanese movies. And I ended up watching Dreams all on my own, just kind of in my room, put it on, leaned back, and I just got so absorbed because I'd never seen anything like it. But yeah, it's just it's got such a range of emotions in it from like insane stress to just like the most chill so slow you feel like you're gonna fall asleep that I was just entranced
1: yeah no definitely there's such a wide range of what's going on here because I mean as as it is famously uh the movie is comprised of a vignettes, um and each one is based on Kurosawa's as one of his like recurring dreams He said all of them like he had multiple times in his life so it's just kind of the dramatization of that
0: some of them are very dramatic
1: Yeah, there's definitely some are pretty lighthearted for the most part. Some of them are horrific. Some of them, I mean, just as dreams are, you know, you have a very wide range of what goes on while you're sleeping. (laughs) Yeah. So for
0: today, I figured that it would be a good idea for us to start at the beginning and just go vignette by vignette and talk Mm -hmm. about them. I don't know how super in depth we will get on all of them, but we'll find out. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be a fun little journey. We'll go on here. Yeah. So the first one at the very beginning of the movie is called sunshine through the rain. It's Kurosawa is a little little boy, probably six.
1: Yeah, I'd say so.
0: And he's wearing a cute little kimono. (laughs) It's like white with little blue flowers on it, I think. He's standing in front of his house, and it's raining, but it's also very sunny. His mother says, oh, you have to come inside. The foxes are getting married when it rains (laughs) like this. And if you go out there and they see you, then you're going to be in big trouble with them. So don't go. And then she turns around and goes inside, and he kind of looks at her and clearly thinks man, don't tell me what to do, mom. And he heads off for the the woods where he does in fact come across a parade of foxes getting married.
1: And so wait, so the movie they're like ghosts, but they're called foxes or I was a little bit, is that just the name of them in Japan or something?
0: No, I think they're definitely foxes. Like they
1: are like literally animal foxes, but like, not, they don't look like that, I guess. Sure. In the movie,
0: <laughs> in the movie, these foxes are people who are made up to have kind of hairy faces. Yeah. And they're all in wedding procession gowns. Yes. Got it. You know, I, I know that the the term the foxes are getting married is like an old, mm-hmm. like it's like a parable that just means that it's sunny and raining. Uh, so it's yeah. cute that his kid mind extrapolated it into yeah, into this, but. Uh, No, I think they're they're meant to be foxes, or at least like some kind of entity that's fox like.
1: Yeah, because I was like, I don't know why I think I was picturing like anthropomorphic foxes. So when like you have these people kind of dressed up, I was like, okay, I feel like I'm a little too old for this, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) they do they do a fun perception, and Mm -hmm. he hides behind a tree and he watches them. It's scary. It's scary because when they, it's a little spooky because after they spot him, he just takes off and runs home. And when he gets there, his mom walks out, and she's like, the foxes came, and they were asking for you, and they left this. And she hands him, like, a little knife. And she's like, you have to, they said, since you saw them getting married, you have to kill yourself.
1: (laughs) They're a little bit, I think, self-involved, if you really have to kill yourself, just if you watch them. A little rude. Why can't can't he just look for a sec, you know? Cut him some slack, foxes.
0: No, the foxes are very secretive. They're
1: very secretive. They're very rude, I think. I would agree. I don't think he's being tutored, so he's not like a paparazzi with like a camera. He mm-hmm. just kind of caught a glimpse. He's just a little guy. Ran away, just a little guy.
0: So mom tells him that he needs to go to apologize to the foxes <laughs> uh, so that they might let him live. She says, you'll, you'll find them under a rainbow. So he goes, and the last shot of the vignette is of him standing in this field full of flowers underneath this crazy big rainbow. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of the perfect way to end that yeah. one. It's ambiguous, and you get kind of a feeling of what the rest of the movie is going to be like. Just this very odd, odd journey.
1: Yeah. No, that shot, too, is also just so gorgeous. It's such a good visual statement to have early on. I mean, the flowers themselves obviously beautiful, but then to have the rainbow and kind of the misty air, it all just looks incredible. Like, I feel like when I think of this movie even now, like, that's kind of the first image that comes to my mind. So I think it's very smart of Kurosawa to put that kind of at the front. So yeah it's a good introduction yeah. mm-hmm.
0: i like that the movie itself is capped with two more positive uh dreams yeah i was it... thinking i wouldn't have liked this movie so much if it had ended on one of the scarier ones
1: oh no for sure no it is funny because i think the first two because they are kind of i mean they're not necessarily just like totally positive or anything but they are pretty hopeful and bright compared to um some of the other ones that come later um So it kind of does, you're not exactly sure how it's going to go, because at first you have this impression, then it goes in all these different directions, that's kind of how it is, I think, throughout in general, but definitely a nice way to start. Very pleasant, very visually beautiful, yeah.
0: I think some of my favorite visual stuff from this particular vignette is you get a sense of how small the boy is and how Mm -hmm. big his surroundings are because of how large the trees are in the forest and the way that... The camera follows him from kind of like a medium shot as he walks through and it just tracks him. And you see him, he'll go in front of a tree and then he'll go behind a tree and just kind of disappear. But just how large everything is in comparison with this tiny, tiny
1: boy. Mm -hmm. It is funny because I feel like kids in movies, they always seem a little bit less small than they are in real life. Because I think anytime you're in a movie, you always just seem a little bit larger than life. So it is nice to have that for sure.
0: Did you ever see The Florida Project?
1: i have not seen. It. I still haven't seen it. It's on my Netflix queue. I just and I'm watched just lazy. it. I just
0: watched it last night. Those kids seem very small. Really, and it's interesting because they shoot that whole movie—not the whole movie, but they shoot a lot of the movie from really low angles, so mm. that you feel like you're at the perspective
1: of the kids. Uh, that's smart.
0: So sad. Such a sad movie. I've heard it's really sad. That's kind very of,
1: good. And that's why I'm avoiding it because it's very sad, and I'm just like, I feel like I have to prepare for a couple days before I'm gonna watch a sad yeah. movie. So
0: yeah, it was. It was. It was good, but. <laughs>
1: No, I got to do it. It's
0: on such insane back reserve from the library that I got it. And I was like, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm ready for this. But it was like, <laughs> I have to return it in two days. So I yeah. have to watch it tonight because I don't have time.
1: Yeah. Well, I really like that director's last movie. His last one was Tangerine, which was the, um, so completely on an iPhone and starred two transgender actresses. And it was really groundbreaking and really good. So I just got to suck it up and watch for it. Probably. Yeah, so I, I, need, I still need
0: to see Tangerine. I've heard Tangerine's really, great. really good things. Yeah. The next vignette. The next one. The next vignette <laughs> is called The Peach Orchard that's true it is that is true uh so we again have Kurosawa's as a little boy and he's in a home with a bunch of young girls and they're having it looks like kind of a get together and he just seems to be the little brother who's mm. hanging out and he's bringing them food and he comes into the room and there's five girls and he's like wait a second there were six of you a second ago and they're like no little guy there have been five of us this whole time and he just doesn't believe them This is particularly dreamlike to me, or it Mm. struck me as the kind of dream that I've had where numbers don't seem to make sense and you kind of lose track of things. But he insists that there's a sixth girl and they refuse. So he ends up uh, leaving them some food. And in this room, there's a a big stack of shelves with all these ceremonial dolls on them, all dressed in formal attire, big robes, large Mm. hats. He ends up going outside and he sees this sixth girl and she's running away. And he follows her to this hill that's kind of terraced. It's terraced yeah. hill. Mm-hmm. He ends up being confronted by all of these people who are dressed up exactly like the dolls. <laughs> and they say, we are the dolls. <laughs> <laughs> and they're telling him that uh, they're going to punish him because uh, his family cut down the peach blossom orchard that was on this terraced hill. And he gets real sad and he cries. And then they do a dance and they, they say, we'll let you see the Peach Blossom Hill one more time. They use their magic so you can see it. And then he runs up to frolic in it, and all the trees are gone. And that's the end of the no. thing
1: yet. so I really like this thing. I, a lot. That, so this one is wonderful. one of my favorites, too, because I'd read that um, Kurosawa's sister died when he was really young. And so this was kind of his way of kind of allegorizing that entire experience. And so I thought it's very well done because it's kind of indirectly – touching on the confusing nature of grief and how it is very there's a lot of stuff that's jarring and even just like early on when they're saying that like there wasn't a six person it's kind of that idea of maybe you're not you know completely over grieving but like other people are over it and so everyone's kind of forgetting them while you're not and so it's very kind of cleverly takes on all those things and it is very moving in that sense because you can tell curacao's heart's really in it so i oh, did yeah. like it a lot
0: There's a pretty big environmental message throughout the entire film, too. too. Mm -hmm. And seeing as the dolls are seeking to punish him for destroying this nature, and then (laughs) they're like, you know, this is all you and your family's fault, and he starts crying because he's a little boy, and all these people are yelling at him. (laughs) And he says, why cut down? Well, they make fun of him first, right? Mm -hmm. They say, like, oh, you only want this... You only didn't want it to go away because you like peaches. Like you only like to eat peaches. Like you're greedy. And he says, why, why, why eat? Or it's like, why eat a single peach? Or, or why destroy something when and replace it when I could like walk through mm-hmm. like peach blossoms and bloom, and they all like look so <laughs> stricken by the smartness of this small boy. <laughs>
1: I'd imagine Kurosawa as a little boy was very precocious, though, so... I'm what sure that I was. Well, what would he be like? I feel like he'd be smarter than me now. but I'm not smart now, and so it's just like... <laughs> oh, dear. It doesn't take a lot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but no, this is a really, really good vignette. Yeah, I did feel like the dancing part was a little bit long. I, feel I agree. feel like this movie reminds me of... I think Kurosawa kind of considered him a peer, and they were friends, I'm not sure, but it reminded me of, like, Michelangelo and Tony Oni because he really liked, like, very long... Shots and we kind of like draw stuff out to like create some sort of effect. I don't know exactly what his intention was, but curious how it does that kind of a lot-threat movie where there would just be really long sequences without really anything happening. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, introduced in this scene, this recurring thing of kind of a, a time not being time-sensitive, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I completely agree. And I read a lot of reviews after, well, right before I watched this movie the second time, because I didn't think to read anything about it after I saw it the first time. <laughs> but I, I read some reviews of it, and a lot of people, at least I guess a lot of them, were just kind of like word of the people reviews, like Rotten Tomatoes, that kind of stuff, which is, you know, trusted or don't. But most people <laughs> were like, this movie was so boring, it
1: was too long. <laughs> I feel I'm like that with every movie. If it's over 90 minutes, I'm like, oh, oh. wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> be patient. Like, be, <sighs> so be patient. Take a <laughs> deep breath. I'm just a gnat. I have no attention span. <laughs> this must have been a rough movie. Uh, I really powered through, you know. Speaking of rough,
0: <laughs> let's get on to the next. Oh my yet. god. This yeah. one is very
1: rough. Did not like the blizzard. No. I'm sorry to this say. one.
0: This one was a struggle to get through. It was very tedious. You know, it's funny. I liked it better the second time I saw it. And really? it felt like it took less time. Hmm. It took forever. <laughs> the first time I watched it, I was like, I feel like I'm in this blizzard. I'm <laughs> in the blizzard.
1: I feel like I was screaming internally the entire time. And then
0: I think that was the effect that he was going for. I
1: guess, but it's just like so... Nothing was going on. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> the blizzard is a vignette in which, what would you say, an adult Kurosawa,
1: like teenager, young teenager, adult, young adult
0: man. Kurosawa, is on a mountain and he's accompanied by three other mountain men, and they are backpacking through this heavy, heavy snow and they're super bundled up, and there's this harsh wind sound the entire time, just the sound of wind and the sound of their climbing tools, kind of clinking together they're looking for a place to camp out and three of the guys just kind of collapse and fall asleep and kurosawa also starts to collapse and there's this whole sequence in which he's laying in the snow and this lady appears and she covers him up with these blankets and it looks like she's trying to help him at first and she's dressed in all white and the blankets are all silver and shimmery and she's trying to like comfort him and then it looks like he's struggling and he's trying to get up but she keeps on like holding him down and her hands keep on getting <laughs> closer to his neck she's definitely supposed to be like death <laughs> trying to take him she's the yeah. snow he struggles against it enough that he doesn't die and then they find their camp and that's the
1: end but it's probably 20 minutes long oh my god yeah no yeah. was many times where i was like maybe i should get up and do something yeah <laughs> Yeah. No offense to Blizzard or oh, Kurosawa, man. but so you know. this
0: I think I think that it's frustrating and tedious this vignette for sure, mm-hmm. but I think it succeeds in kind of making you feel really anxious, at least for me. Yeah. And I think I think it was definitely a str- I mean it had to have been a stress dream, terrifying.
1: Yeah. Well, and I wonder if it was a recurring dream he had when he was a teenager, and I could just be looking too deeply, but I don't know if it's like a metaphor for like when you're on the cusp of adulthood you feel like there's you're kind of being trapped slowly because like suddenly you have all these expectations that are kind of starting to build and build and then you kind of are just trapped in this world of what you're supposed to be doing or something. And I don't know if like maybe he's just kind of commenting on that or what. I wish I could ask him. Maybe but. Who knows what he was going for, but
0: the, the way that they trudge through the snow and just it looks like they're struggling so much to move. Mm-hmm. You ever had a dream where you get into like a fight or something or you need to do something that's really crucial, but when you try and move your yeah. arms, they just feel like they're being you can't like there's this resistance.
1: Yeah, but like the air to me has now. become
0: the the air has become very thick. Yeah. Ooh, it's,
1: it's terrible. terrible. It's rough.
0: <laughs> it is. I've had dreams where I've been in fights and people are like attacking me and I try to punch back and I can't punch <laughs> with any force because the air is too thick.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd like for me to be a lot of like, I'm getting beat up and I'm kind of like trying to run away or something and I can't do that. I'm just like, oh, guess I'm just going to keep laying on the ground that they knocked me down onto. So <laughs> well, I'm not sure why that happens. If but... there are
0: any Freudians listening, I hope you're having a good time. <laughs>
1: Honestly, I don't. I don't want to know what my dreams mean. It stresses no, me out. No. No. Let's just keep it ambiguous.
0: We'll keep it ambiguous. <laughs> we should talk about a little bit of the. I just want to talk a little bit briefly about the colors of this one. The blizzard is blue mostly. It's like blue mm-hmm. gray, and there's this like layer of fog that kind of obscures the whole thing yeah. the entire time. So it's already kind of difficult to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then the only thing that you, the only other color that you really get is the yellow of their jackets, kind of a little bit through. But it's. They're almost like they glisten the mm-hmm. people when you get like a good look at them, but for the most part, difficult to see them.
1: Yeah, very difficult to see. It's very just a lot of muted colors. Just definitely a big juxtaposition from the first two, which are so colorful and pretty, and then this is just gray and drab and dark. Crazy to go from that.
0: <laughs> the blizzard's like a cut scene from The Revenant.
1: It really that lasts actually for 20 yeah. minutes. <laughs> Well, like The Revenant for sure, <laughs> <laughs> which is a movie I don't want to relive. So I guess that was maybe maybe that's another reason why I didn't like it. You know. Maybe it's like my subconscious being like, Blake, this is The Revenant. You didn't like The Revenant. And then <laughs> just how it is.
0: <laughs> the Revenant is a long movie. Oh my... Three hours is too much time to I see like... even, even DiCaprio froth at the mouth.
1: I like to pretend like it doesn't exist. And it was just a bad dream I had, I guess. Maybe I'll put it in my own dreams movie. Maybe. Who knows? I was
0: thinking that. Why don't – I'm <laughs> surprised that there haven't – well, maybe I just haven't looked, but I'm surprised that there aren't more, like, big directors who just, yeah. like, made a, a series of vignettes and just kind of copied this.
1: Yeah. I'd be curious. I do think the Vignette movies, though, are very rarely successful. I think so a lot of directors are kind of nervous to attempt it. Because I can't really – it's hard to even think of one that's, like, great. Like, I feel like there are a lot of really enjoyable ones, but none of them are really cohesive for the most part. So Sure. Yeah. I'd probably say that's it.
0: That would probably make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll do the next one. Yes. This is the tunnel. Oh, yeah. This one gives me the most stress of any of them. Oh, it's very stressful. This one's incredibly stressful. <laughs> so this one has Kurosawa as a adult man, full of, yeah. fully an adult man. He is wearing kind of this green, almost military-looking garb and a hat, and he's got a nice bag. It's a nice <laughs> messenger bag. And he's walking through this tunnel... And well right before he goes in the tunnel there's this dog that comes up and the dog is wearing like a vest that's yeah. that's holding I think grenades. I think the vest is grenades. holding I think it's holding that grenades. Which freaks me out
1: right away. I'm like, okay, why does this dog have? Yeah. It's the, to devices. The
0: dog shows up and it starts barking and this kind of this reminded me a lot of David Lynch, actually, mm-hmm. this this particular sketch. Sketch. It's not comedy. <laughs> this particular vignette. We'll call it a sketch. We'll call it a sketch. <laughs> it was not funny. Um <laughs> The dog shows up and it gets cast in this red light. This just mm-hmm. red light kind of turns on and it starts glowing. And it makes these really unnatural barking noises that are just, they don't match the way that the dog's mouth is moving. And mm-hmm. some of them, it's like the sound is being repeated. And I don't chalk that up to like bad sound design by any means. They're just trying to make it seem unnatural and yeah. weird. Uh, so the dog barks at him and then runs away. Curse Hall walks into the tunnel. And when he gets to the other side, the ghost of a man from the army that apparently he worked with shows up. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to say that he's there for duty. And Kurosawa is trying to explain to this dude, you're dead. Hey, man, you died. It's rough. It's hard.
1: Can you imagine having to break that to someone? No. (laughs) I mean, I hope we don't ever have to. That would be interesting. Gosh. (laughs) Like, oh, by the way, you're a ghost.
0: By the way, you – and it's so sad because he explains it. And the guy's like, but my parents are waiting for me. And he's like, yeah, but you, you got shot, and then you you died. Ugh. Ugh. So hard. It's hard. And then the guy kind of accepts it, and he marches back into the tunnel, and then you hear all these feet marching, and an entire platoon of, uh. of ghost soldiers come out, <laughs> and they're saying, we're here reporting for duty, and Chris all can't handle it. He just starts yeah. yelling. <laughs>
1: I would just scream and run. That's a little overwhelming to have that many ghosts at once. Yeah. That's too much. It is. <laughs> but this one was interesting. It felt very kind of theatrical compared to the other ones. I feel like the other ones are pretty, you know, understated for the most part, whereas this one feels very much like it could be on a stage. Um, just kind of these this long one-on-one dialogue that's, I wouldn't say like naturalistic or anything. It feels kind of... Over which I guess is like fine. Definitely makes for like a tonal contrast from everything else. Yeah. Mm hmm.
0: <laughs> this one, this one gives me the heebies. That the dog was like so
1: rude. It was like the first dog in a movie. I've been like, I don't know if I like this dog. It takes a lot for me to kind of go against a dog in a movie. But I was like, it's
0: kind of a scary dog. Kind of He's Kind around. of a little guy too. He's not exactly yeah. a big
1: dog. I mean, he just comes out rude with explosive devices. Like, I just think there's no. It's just not super charming. No offense to the dog. I hope <laughs> the dog can forgive me. Hopefully. But <laughs> I wanna
0: really kind of shine a light on the actor who portrays Kurosawa in this scene okay. because he, I think, does a really good job because he's in several yeah. of the vignettes.
1: Mm.
0: He does this really interesting... He has a very interesting way of portraying all all of his emotions just kind of on his face uh-huh. when they're all yelling at him. He, for like 10 minutes, every time it cuts back to him, he just always looks like he's on the brink of tears. Mm. And he just kind of holds, holds you there at that point of... Like, I'm about to break down, but I have to keep my composure mm. for so long. And I was very convinced. And I, I'm, I am moved by this sketch. And I – sketch? I keep calling it a sketch. <laughs> I'm quite moved by this vignette.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, he does a really good job. Because I think he does a, a, an effective job conveying what we would all be feeling in that situation. Just kind of this overwhelming feeling of emotion, also a lot of confusion. <laughs> so I think he captures that really well. Even though the – I think it'd be very hard to act alongside this thing that's, you know, so obviously fake. But, yeah, very successful. Well, yeah,
0: we've done half of the vignettes. Wow! So (laughs) it's time for Fun Facts with Blake, my favorite segment that we do on the show.
1: I'm so ready. For this luckily i don't i have a pretty good number i feel like lately i've come in with maybe a few too many and then it gets a little monotonous so um first one fact kurosawa had envisioned the role of we'll get to this later but uh vincent van gogh is it van gogh or van gogh because i always thought it was van gogh but i've heard people say now van gogh and i feel stupid
0: i have always heard van gogh but go in, the, in this movie they say van gogh <sighs> i don't know what i name. think both are correct
1: I'm just going to go with what I've always said. So Kurosawa had envisioned the role being played by Martin Scorsese, who plays him in this movie, when he first wrote it because he had met him seven years earlier and I guess was like at that time, like, you know, Scorsese would be really good as Van Gogh. So that's interesting. I don't think I'd ever picture that. But sure, Kurosawa had a lot of trouble getting financing from studios in Japan because it was kind of – Um, Especially there's a segment later on that's kind of about nuclear power. and They thought it was too political, so they didn't want to finance it. So we sent a copy of the script to Steven Spielberg, who helped him get a deal for the film with Warner Brothers, which is interesting that Warner Brothers would take on, like, a Japanese art film, whereas, like, Japanese studios would not. So you never think that. The eight segments of the film were originally joined by three more, which that would be insane.
0: That would be too much. Um,
1: They were cut due to time constraints. One involved people flying through the air. Another involved Buddhist priests protesting temple taxes. And then the third focused on newscasters talking about a breakout of world peace. The last one sounds interesting. That sounds The previous two, I was like, no.
0: That sounds quite funny.
1: Yeah. The last one kind of sounds like Boonwell or something. I'd be interested to see that, but... I guess it doesn't exist. I
0: wonder if they exist somewhere. <laughs> it
1: doesn't seem like it. If they were I don't cut, know.
0: but they were filmed.
1: I don't know. We'll have to find out. I'll keep my ass peeled. Did some research. Dreams is the first movie Kurosawa had written by himself without a collaborator uh, since Those Who Tread on the Tiger's Tail 45 years earlier. Can you imagine just going, like, not writing alone for 45 years and just being like, you know, I'm going to do it alone? I feel like that'd be a little bit stressful. Wow. But good for him. Yeah. The House in Sunshine Through the Rain is an, pretty much an exact reproduction of Kurosawa's Childhood Home and Koshikawa, um, complete with a nameplate that even reads Kurosawa on it. So that's, oh, that's very cool. cool. Um, and then the last one, uh, Kurosawa, only, it only took him like two months to write this script. So he was very quick. I'm just sure. to him. But I'm he sure has some he... material. But if... also, does he, he has to keep like a dream journal like the kid in like Sharkboy and Lava Girl or something because I feel like to remember Well, no 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 no. No, oh,
0: wait, wait, wait. Hey, hey, hey. Back that up. What did you just say? Um, did you say he keeps a dream girl like the kid from Sharkboy and Lava Girl? A, a
1: dream journal. Yeah, haven't you seen the scene? There's a scene in Sharkboy and Lava Girl where the protagonist is very angry cuz he's in class and the school bully steals his dream journal and he creates a big ruckus and the teacher played by George Lopez. Um, doesn't side with the kid and he lets the bully kind of go free and the protagonist has to go to the principal and that's Kurosawa You
0: have a sharp memory for uh for shark boy love I Girl. never saw
1: that movie I just like saw that clip Oh okay
0: <laughs> all right there you go I saw that movie in the theater <laughs>
1: Wow you're a true stan
0: with the 3D glasses Is it I good? regret It It doesn't oh, seem awful, good awful
1: terrible I remember my family when it came out we were going on a road trip and we some fellow campers had watched it, but, like, the dad kept referring to Lava Girl as Lava Lady, and it would make my <laughs> sister and me so mad because we're like, it's Lava Girl, but, like, he never corrected himself, so.
0: La- Lava Lady is pretty funny, Lava though. Lava
1: Lady makes her sound like she's, like, 57 and, like, <laughs> does really spend a lot of time with her 401k. Like, I don't know if I like that, so. <laughs> we'll stick with Lava Girl, but. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, those are my fun facts, I hope. Everyone enjoyed them. I feel like they were succinct. Very. There wasn't a lot, so. No. no, But a good number, a fair number.
0: I mean, the whole movie is just kind of like a fun fact of like, Kurosawa dreamed all of these crazy things. Yeah. And then he made it into a movie.
1: That's true. I'm very jealous of him. His dreams are very, I feel like kind of interesting and cool, and I feel like all my dreams are literally just things I do in real life. Like when I was addicted to Candy Crush, I'd literally dream about playing Candy Crush. Or when I worked at Jimmy John's. I'd make sandwiches in my dreams, and that's like how all my dreams are.
0: Oh man.
1: Like I can't escape reality. Make
0: Sandwiches in your dreams. That
1: sucks. That's it's awful. like the exact sandwich. Wouldn't it wouldn't even be like some weird dream thing. It'd be like all the same ingredients, nothing different. So
0: I I don't dream memorable dreams very much. No. I have a hard time remembering them, but it's too hard. Recently I had a dream where I had a scary encounter with a Guillermo del Toro esque monster with no eyes and a Ew. huge mouth full of teeth. Oh, my God. It came out of a, it came out of a lake ugh, towards me. That and sounds it was horrible.
1: It was really scary. <laughs> I would not like that at all. No. no. I never have dreams. And then when I do, it's just... It's nothing it'll be like me sitting in class or something
0: I've had a few pretty horrific monster dreams in my day
1: <sighs> well I'm jealous I want something exciting to happen <laughs> but also I don't because I feel like dreaming is like the only time when I can kind of escape anything so to like have to fall asleep and then deal with another thing it's exhausting I don't have room for that in my schedule no
0: no <laughs> it's like I did not put you on the calendar Mr. Angry Dream I didn't. Yeah, so... Jimmy John's dream. Monster
1: in my dream. Jimmy John's sandwich in my dream. Go away. Come back another time. Come back. (laughs) All right. Should we move forward?
0: The next next vignette is called Crows. And this is the one featuring Martin Scorsese as uh, Vincent van Gogh. We start with Kurosawa in a museum looking at van Gogh paintings. And he stops in front of a painting that is of a bridge with some ladies cleaning their... Their clothes mm-hmm. in the water, and there's this great effect where the camera zooms in on the painting, and there's a cut, but you don't really notice it, and then mm-hmm. the painting starts moving because they've recreated this scene in real life, it's and they painted up an actual bridge to look like a Van Gogh painting, mm-hmm. and uh, had women dress in all of the same clothing, and it's insane. That's you so notice cool. that it's moving because. Once the cut happens, you can see the ripples in the water from where they're Mm -hmm. washing their clothes start to move. And then there's a carriage on the bridge that starts with the horses. starts moving. Mm -hmm. It blew (laughs) my mind the first time I saw it. Were you shocked
1: The appalled? No, I really like this entire... I almost called it a sketch. Wow, it's really infectious. (laughs) Um, This entire vignette, just because I think I'm just a sucker for this sort of concept. I mean, they really just recreate a bunch of Van Gogh paintings and then just put Kurosawa in them, basically. And he's just kind of wandering around them. And he doesn't try to necessarily make them look realistic. It's just, like, a big set recreation in a very interesting way. Kind of almost like an American in Paris. Like, kind of this art infiltrates real life in a way that should clash but doesn't. But anyway, I really liked how it looked. liked how it felt. Yeah. good.
0: (laughs) It's wild.
1: It really is.
0: Just how he goes into the landscape and he start, he's walking around and it looks so real. I mean, like, all of it is mm-hmm. real life, but then you get these bits where he's trying to chase down uh, Van Gogh and the landscape turns into the actual Van Gogh paintings. Yeah. So it's, it's green-screened clearly, and mm-hmm. he's just been green-screened onto the paintings, but they use perspective in a really interesting way, and they yeah. have him move through the paintings as if they were three-dimensional... And it's very intense. There's some serious piano music that's playing. I should probably know the name of the classical tune that's being played.
1: Oh, it's Chopin. And I used to be able to play it. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I wrote that in my notes. I was like, I used to be able to play this song. But yeah, it was a Chopin song. And nostalgic. Really did.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Scorsese is a maniac as Van Gogh. He's
1: wild. Interesting casting, but I guess if Kurosawa thought it was right. I would never think of Scorsese as being a moody painter but I guess that just made sense to him. I guess so. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I like how he asks him why he's wearing a band. He's wearing a bandage on his head. And Chris, I was like, why are you wearing a bandage? He says, I was painting my ear yesterday. I was painting a self portrait yesterday and I saw my ear and I couldn't paint it right. So I cut it off and threw (laughs) it away.
1: It's just very matter of fact. Love it.
0: (laughs) The last shot of this one is Van Gogh walking up. Well, I guess that's not really the last shot. It's close to the end, but he's walking up a a hill uh, with all of these wheat fields around Mm. him, and Kurosawa starts to follow him, and then all of these crows start flying out of the field, which is another Van Gogh painting. Yeah, And that's kind of the end of your time inside the painting, because then you come back out into the museum, and you see Kurosawa, like, looking at the paintings again, and Mm. then that's the end of it.
1: Yeah. No, it's a great sketch. I like it a lot. Oh, sketch again? Whatever. I feel like it kind of is a sketch, though, in a way, because a sketch technically is just like a short scene. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I guess these are more sequences than scenes, but whatever. Whatever. Close close enough. Close enough. People know what we're talking about. They do.
0: (laughs) I guess we'll move on to the next one.
1: All right.
0: The next one is Mount Fuji in Red. Interesting one. Do you want to talk a little bit about this one? I feel like I've been doing all the explaining.
1: Um, yeah, so basically, it just kind of places us right at the center of the. There's like a nuclear disaster, basically, that also seems to th- like threaten the nearby volcano. So, they're like, they're worried that's going to erupt and also have these nuclear things erupt. And so, it's just kind of this scene of panic in Kurosawa. It's kind of at the center of it. There's like a woman there, and then was it a guy who worked there? It was um, a guy who is, yeah. who
0: is one of the people who works for the nuclear yeah.
1: corporation. Yeah. So, it's just kind of a scene that. I don't know, it's just kind of a nightmare that probably just touches on Kurosawa's fear of, you know, just nuclear energy having a place in our society. Yeah, this one was, like, pretty decent. I thought it was, like, an interesting idea.
0: There's pandemonium, people yeah, running around. Yeah, that's pretty
1: crazy. The sky's red. There's a lot of fire. Oh, yeah, there's all
0: these <laughs> shots of Mount Fuji and these gigantic explosions happening behind it. Mm-hmm.
1: No, it's pretty insane. But I think, like, the blizzard, this one kind of is pretty drawn out for, like, a scene where, like, there's not a ton of narrative it's just kind of like people panicking for 20 minutes kind of yeah so but it looks cool so (laughs) it does it does look cool yeah
0: it's funny the the most dreamlike aspect of this one is at the end when the huge crowds of people are gone and it's just kurosawa this lady and her child and Mm -hmm. a man who worked for the the power plant they're all standing around and the man is pointing over at some of the uh smoke that's running along the ground (laughs) from all the explosions and each There's a bunch of different colors of smoke. There's like a red smoke and an orange smoke and a yellow smoke. And he's pointing to each one. He's like, the red one is plutonium 249 and the (laughs) yellow one is strontium 90. And then he explains what each one of them will do if they touch you. He's like, this one will give you uh, cancer of this and this one will give you leukemia and uh, on and on and on. And it's like, this one causes birth defects Mm -hmm. and causes babies to be born as monsters. And it's just like stress. (laughs) And the guy is just, like, I'm responsible for this, and then I'm sorry. And then the next, he's he starts walking towards, like, the edge of this cliff, and there's a cut, mm. and then you don't see him in the rest of the scene, so clearly he, like, jumped. Yeah. But then Kurosawa is trying to use his coat to, like, waft away all of the <laughs> all of the uh, atomic so uh, radiation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's just all stress, because, I mean, they are on an edge of a cliff. All the smoke's getting closer. There's no escape, really, so great encapsulation of a nightmare for sure totally but if i mean if they did jump off the cliff it'd probably be one of those dreams where you like trip or something and just like wake up really quick so i mean you could probably end the dream pretty quickly but i don't think he probably realized it was a dream right away so have you had many falling dreams I feel like I do, like, it'll usually happen when I'm, like, about to fall asleep, and also of a sudden we're dreaming I'm, like, walking on the sidewalk, and then I, like, walk off the curb or something, and then I, like. <laughs> Just, jolt like, a up. small fall. It's horrible. Just any kind of falling, Just no matter s- what. Just a small trip. I feel like if there were a banana peel in my dream, like, that could jolt me awake. <laughs> like, we don't know for sure. That's funny. But, i'm not a fan of jolting dreams they're freaking out so much
0: you know usually for me i haven't had one in years but usually falling dreams for me are long long falls like really oh yeah i i had one probably in middle school where height of harry potter times (laughs) i was in the middle of the desert and i went into this like bizarre looking tent Mm -hmm. and uh Severus Snape as played by Alan Rickman was in there oh my God. and he yelled something at me while he was brewing potions and like <laughs> pointed and said get him and I was like excuse me and uh Zephyrus Snape owned a Scotty dog and it chased me out of the tent and across the <laughs> desert and off a cliff wow and that I, Scotty I dog fell. is
1: ferocious <laughs> yeah whoa
0: it was a, that was a jolt awake for sure Wow! I laugh. Or I laughed really hard once I was awake. I was like, "That was the most ridiculous, That's
1: crazy dream." Snape is very scary though. When I was a kid, and I thought Alan Rickman was like horrific. I couldn't even look at the screen when I was like seven because I was just like, "I can't. He's too scary." I don't know what it was. I think. I convinced myself that I just couldn't do it. I think I watched the first time my Saw Sorcerer's Show, and I like watched without the sound because I was like so scared the whole time. And I was like, I don't know why. In hindsight, what well, freaked me out so much, but. Whatever.
0: (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) I think we've just about touched on everything in Mount Fuji and Red.
1: We have. I think we've really done it.
0: We've got two more.
1: All right.
0: The Weeping Demon is the next one. This one is particularly interesting. Yeah. I like this one quite a lot.
1: This one was very strange. Yeah. More or less successful, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This (laughs) This one is deeply upsetting Mm -hmm. so Kurosawa is wandering a nuclear wasteland you can see a cityscape in the background at the beginning that is just buildings that are just absolutely crunched they're destroyed toppled over it looks like the aftermath of like a giant robots fighting anime Mm -hmm. or something yeah um and as he's walking he encounters a man
1: a beast I guess a a demon. demon from the title yeah I don't know
0: uh a character a creature who is all dirty and he's wearing all these tattered rags and he has a single small horn growing right <laughs> out of the top of his head mm-hmm. and the demon tells him kind of his whole story about how they wander the wastes and how there's like a, a demonic class system <laughs> and how he's one of the lowest demons because he only has one horn but that the demons with two or three horns are the stronger ones and that they get to to eat the one horned demons quicker because <laughs> they all eat each other they don't uh, eat anything because it's a wasteland and that's all they got mm. at nighttime the demons horns start to hurt so they have to like hold their heads and they all just scream <laughs> and it's so terrible
1: <laughs> big mood big i just scream all night <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. So after walking around and seeing some dandelions that have grown to be six feet tall Mm. from the radiation, you hear some screaming, like a lot of screaming. And Kurosaw asks, you know, what is that? And the demon takes him over to the edge of this cliff and shows him uh, at the bottom of this ravine, there are a bunch of demons hanging out around what I would assume to be pools of blood. Mm. It looks like there's these big pools of blood lots of demons, and they're all just screaming and just, like, yelling at the sky and holding their heads, uh, just shrieking in pain, and there's all these bones and, like, carcasses around them. They're <laughs> just hilarious. yelling. Yeah. And Kurosawa is, you know, he's the surrogate for the audience. He looks horrified.
1: Yeah. Still calmer than I would be, though. I feel like I would just constantly be, like, screaming. Like, especially even when the demon first appears and he's kind of like, what is that? And then you see him like, I would have freaked out. So, good for him for kind of keeping his cool for the most part, even though he is obviously scared. Like, I would not have kept it together as well as he does. I would not like being in that situation, surrounded by demons who scream around cool of blood. I'm not sure,
0: you know, this this clearly is manifesting as like a fear of death, but also as just, you know, anxiety about how radiation can affect Mm -hmm.
1: life. You know, clearly Kurosawa's very worried about nuclear power and radiation and all these things. It's definitely on his mind, as oh evidenced gosh. by this movie. <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't I would like to time and see how long the sequences of all the demons just yelling though, cuz it it lasts for a long time. <laughs> it really does. And that's why it's so unsettling.
1: Yeah. That much screaming, it's just it's too much.
0: I wonder what that day on set was like. If it was really Probably not fun. It, it might have been really fun though if you were just if you got to be a demon you just like That's scream true. for like a whole yeah. day. That could have been kind of fun, but Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure some of those people ended up having weird dreams after <laughs> being a part of that. I would think so, yeah. It looks it looks like a Hieronymus Bosch painting. Mhm. It's like the
1: underworld. I don't like. It. I don't want to be in the underworld. <laughs> no. I'll look at a painting of the underworld, but
0: in that case, if you don't want to be in the Underworld anymore, we'll move on to the last vignette.
1: Oh, wow. Such a good transition. Also, like, the transition between these two vignettes is, like, insane because it's, like, this night evil nightmare and then, like, this very brightly colored nice thing. And it's just, like, kind of a relief, I guess. But also, like, totally. wow, what a juxtaposition.
0: Yeah. And I think that's pretty effective.
1: Very effective.
0: The last vignette is called Village of the Watermills. Mm-hmm. And I think this is my favorite one. Oh, it's my favorite one, too. Yeah. Yeah really really it's beautiful so pleasant. it's very pleasant <laughs> very calming so soothing <laughs> kurosawa has arrived in a small village with these little bridges that go over these streams and there's all these cute little water fo- water mills that are moving around on the river there's the very beginning there's these little kids and they walk uh they're all holding flowers and they walk up to this rock in between these two bridges on this little uh-huh. kind of strip of land and they all set their flowers down on the rock and they run off and they giggle and kurosawa smiles and he follows them and he sees an elderly man who is repairing one of the the water wheels on the shore and he walks over and he just starts to talk to him it's so sweet and they have a long conversation about life in the village and the old man is explaining when he starts talking to the man the man tells him uh, all about life in the village and he says just kind of explains how they don't really rely on technology they have all these like candles and it's dark at night because it's supposed to be dark at night they don't want it to be as bright as day they don't have electricity and he ends up kind of explaining to kurosawa he says you know why why would we want to have all of these new inventions because in the end people think they're so smart but they make these things that end up just making them less happy Mm Mm-hmm. It really resonated with me, at least, because I've been feeling this way a lot recently about, like, my phone. Like, I don't like going on like, – I don't, like, really, like, visiting social media or, like, websites mm. as much as I really used to. And I just end up kind of being – like, I don't feel, like, happy after doing it, you mm. know? Yeah. So I kind of get it.
1: <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. This one felt weirdly, like – because this was – didn't – I mean, here's how I only made two more movies. So to me, like, this – part felt weirdly i don't know like bittersweet it felt kind of like i don't know how to describe it like there's like this bittersweetness to it that kind of makes it feel like he kind of knows that he's like nearing the end of his life but it's kind of like a positive kind of looking forward note almost i don't know because it's like it's such a utopia it's kind of almost it feels like like heavenly to me i don't know if you feel like that but it definitely felt like there was a tie to his own mortality i i like
0: that this this vignette could have very easily ended with Kurosawa finishing his conversation with the man, and then just kind of leaving the village, mm-hmm. and that would have been the end of it, and it wouldn't have been as fun as it actually is yeah. since it's the very end. What happens is the man kind of gets up, the old man, and he says, "You hear that?" And they listen for a second, and there's a parade that's going on. And he asks, Kurosawa asks, "Is it a festival? Is it a celebration?" He says, "It's a funeral." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "We we're celebrating this person's life instead of like mourning." The, yeah like exactly the, that they're gone and he gets up and he goes into his little house and he puts on some ceremonial garb and he comes out and he picks a flower off a bush and he gets some bells mm-hmm. and he starts marching and he joins the parade and kurosawa follows and get this fun little song which i've had stuck in my head <laughs> for the <laughs> last two days but they march and then the credits start to roll
1: yeah no it's nice because i think um i mean the previous two vignettes really show kurosawa does have this fear of death and then this one kind of reverses that, and so it's like yeah like death is kind of scary but like ultimately like i've had a really good life and maybe there's more to look forward to i don't know so it feels like i don't know courageous or something i don't know but it's like very moving i think a really great way to end it so yeah
0: and my favorite part is that he asks the elderly man he says how old are you and he says i'm a hundred and he says i'm a hundred plus three (laughs) <laughs> which is very cute. I love that. And I would he, also
1: not like being that old. I could not do it. 103? No. That's wild. <laughs> well, uh, thanks.
0: <laughs> I think the cutest part is that uh, the man talks about the, the lady who the funeral is for, and he says, she was 99. She just passed away. She was my first love, and she broke my heart. And then he puts on a big smile, and he joins the parade.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. See, that's the attitude you got to have in life. It's yeah. so inspiring. Terry.
0: Very. <laughs> The most touching part for me though is the very very last thing that you see Kurosawa do in the whole movie, which is after the parade he turns around and he picks a flower and he walks over to the little rock mm-hmm. that all the kids laid the ro- the flowers down on. He puts a flower there and then he the way the camera's oriented the it's the bridges are vertical on the screen. He mm-hmm. sets down the flower and then he gets on one of the bridges and he just walks and he disappears at the top of the screen. Mm-hmm. And it's just so sweet because he's engaging in this like a little culture that he's found. But Yeah i like the story too that they tell about that rock they explain the old man explains that some poor traveler was visiting their village and collapsed from something right there on the spot and they Mm. he says the village took pity on him and they buried him right where he fell and they (laughs) put a rock on top and that was years ago and it's people have kind of forgotten why they do this Mm. but it's just a tradition that we have now people leave flowers there every day yeah so sweet
1: yeah, it's a very nice other world that I would love to be in. It's kind of like Shangri-La on Lost Horizon, <laughs> just like this kind of perfect space. Ideal. Very ideal.
0: Good vacation spot. Very good vacation spot. Or a place to live, I'm sure. maybe.
1: I'm sure it exists. It seems like it was filmed in a real place, so it's yeah. a matter of seeking it out. That's true. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know if you can meet any 103-year-olds there, but...
1: No, I think that man is probably dead, but <gasps> if he were to exist in real life. I could be wrong. Maybe he's still alive. He'd be very old, though. And I think he'd probably be, like, a record holder at this point. So Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. Feeling good? Feeling good. Feeling organic. Feeling organic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So do you want to do a final thought on this?
1: Uh, Sure. So I'd say my final thought. Um, This one, for me, I feel like is pretty sporadically successful. I don't feel like... It's super consistent or anything, but I do feel like... I mean, it is pretty consistently entertaining, and I think it's very visually inspired. But I I don't know. I think ultimately, like, these are kind of narratively lacking for me. I think there could be a little bit more. I think Kurosawa also works better with when he's kind of more making subtle references to things or metaphors. So, like, since these are a little more direct, it doesn't work as well for me. But still, I do think this contains a lot of his best images, and I think just the concept in general is very clever, and pretty successfully, he pretty successfully pulls it off. But I do think it could be a little more, but I still liked it.
0: Yeah. You know, I think this is this is a pick for me. You know, this is Aiden's pick, and that's yeah. what the episode's going to be called. I'm not going to go so far as to say, you know, this is my favorite movie of all time yeah. or anything, because that's to come. But yeah. it's a movie that made an impression on me because it seems really personal to this yeah, director who's so, I guess important to film history Mm -hmm. uh it seems really personal and i like that that it it evokes really powerful emotions and not all of them are positive yeah true i agree it does drag on in some places Mm. the blizzard but (laughs) i think as a whole i think it's pretty unique and it's Mm -hmm. not something that i've i've seen really done very much so Mm -hmm. i appreciate some of the some of the feelings and i i under- i i understand it must have been quite emotional for him to make this movie because mm-hmm. of how you know i guess sentimental or how emotional some of these these vignettes are yeah I like it it's not a movie i'm going to watch <laughs> every year for the rest of my life because it's kind of long yeah, but uh <laughs> i really do really do love it, and it's it's an experience that i think If you're somebody who really likes movies, you should probably have. definitely. Okay. All right. Well, that's it, folks. Cool. If you want to listen to more of us talking about movies, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts, and our website, uwpodcast.com. I just said podcast like six times in that sentence.
1: Good. Let them know. Just like every week.
0: (laughs) And it just dawned on me how many times I said it. Um, If you want to... Follow us. You can follow us on Twitter at the Filmcast. You can find us on our personal accounts at Aiden Walkerow or at Blake W. Peterson. If you want to write with us and share your thoughts about a movie that we've talked about, you can send us an email or a, a message on Twitter, whatever you want. But our <laughs> email is uh, cinemadventurepodcast at gmail.com. If you like the show, share it with a friend, Rate it on iTunes, get the word out, give us a retweet on the Twitter, do whatever it is that you like to do on the internet. If you want to follow along with us, next week we're going to be talking about Avengers. Infinity War.
1: I'm ready. Two yeah. hours and 40 minutes. I'm going to die. Two
0: hours and 40, 40 minutes? minutes,
1: What are they so going to do? Long. Punch I each other for that know. whole time? I don't know what they're going to do. I'm stressed. I'm seeing it at like, I think like 11 o'clock. So You're going to be up all night. I'm going to be up all night. I going to be up all night i do not want to look at Scarlett Johansson's wig. I just it. I'm just <laughs> that, nervous. That was
0: a hot take. <laughs> I don't want to look at Scarlett Johansson's wig. I'm sorry I had
1: to say it. Oh
0: my gosh. <laughs> Predictions? Predictions for Infinity War so we can be proven wrong or correct
1: uh, next week? Um, I feel like I'm not going to like it because I've heard people are like, oh, it's very, it's like a Paul Thomas Anderson. It's very deep. It's emotional. And I just, I don't like emotional superhero movies. And so if it's going to be emotional and like people are coming to terms with things, I'm not not here for it. But we'll see. I don't know.
0: <laughs> there you go. I think, uh, I think Captain America is going to die.
1: I think he's going to die. I think Wakanda is going to be Eft, not too eft, but like eft just enough to make us concerned. Yeah, Which I agree. I'm not I agree. Here for. these are
0: all good predictions. <laughs> the only thing I want out of this movie, and this is this is why I think I'm probably gonna like it. My expectations are low. I just want to see Spider Man fly around on some webs.
1: Spider Man. I Tom Holland's so boring. Oh, I Whoops. love Spider Man. <laughs> How could you say that? I've never been. I've always just thought Spider Man was mediocre (gasps) maybe a comic book he's fine (sighs) movies mm.
0: well Eh. that's it folks that was the last episode of the podcast blake and i are not friends anymore (laughs) just kidding i respect your opinion
1: (laughs) so mature of you
0: (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time bye see you later
1: Did you know Peruvians have their own type of Chinese food? Or that Vietnamese food is heavily influenced by French cuisine? Have you ever wondered what other cultures' drunk food is like? Explore these topics and more right here on the Soundbite Network. My name is Dee, Dee Madigan, and I'm the host of Home Plates, a podcast all about food. Catch up on the first season of Home Plates on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. New episodes air every Wednesday. Seattle Seahawks have the best offensive line in NFL history.
0: Kyle Seeger is the better Seeger brother. Markel Foltz is the best player on the Sixers. Hashtag trust the process.
1: Okay, we don't actually believe any of these things. But if you want to hear our thoughts on topics like these, tune into the Boxing Podcast with Chris Ankiko, Alec Dietz, and Andy Amashta every Friday on the SoundBite Network.